Well, good morning. I am so glad to be back with you, Connection Point. Uh, this is a great season that you guys are in, and what an incredible time of worship. Amen? That is just incredible. Our God is a glorious God. Well, we'd like to definitely welcome you here this morning and to all of you who are joining us online. I'm excited that after this service is over, I'll be heading out to Lee's Summit and preaching live there. So we're even having some incredible things going on there. You know, a picture is worth a thousand words or so the, the old adage goes. And in fact, if you look at many of your phones on your social media feeds, I think a lot of us believe that passionately. We, we post quite a lot. We post pictures of our happy family. We post pictures of our life together. We post pictures of even what we ate for dinner. We use pictures to help others see and understand more about our life and who we are. In our text today, we are going to see some very clear pictures that God has placed in the text of his word to help us understand who we are as the people of God, who we are as the church. So if you have your Bible, if you take it out and turn to the book of 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter was an apostle who spent a lot of time with Jesus. He was someone who was very close with the Savior. And as he spent time with him, Jesus had even told him that he was the rock. And on this foundation that he would build his church, God gave Peter a unique task to help build up the church. And so Peter, of all people, had a fantastic understanding of what it is to be the church of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to see today. So if you have your Bible and you found 1 Peter chapter 2, that is in the New Testament, kind of towards the end of the New Testament, we are going to start in verse 4. 1 Peter chapter 2, starting at verse 4. It's going to be here on the screen as well as in the text in front of you. This is what God's Word says. As you come to Him, a living stone, rejected by people, but chosen and honored by God. You yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For it stands in Scripture. See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe. But for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone and a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. They stumble because they disobey the word. They were destined for this. But you, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. For once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. You had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Would you join with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. 
God, we thank you that you speak truth to us through the power of your word and through the power of your Holy Spirit. And today we ask that even as we have sung praises to you this morning, for you are the glorious King, God, we ask that your Spirit would move in this place in a powerful way, that you would work in our hearts and our lives, that we would not be able to escape your presence as we study your word. And oh God, would you transform hearts and lives in this room, in this place, we pray in this moment, in Jesus' name, amen. Now, as we study this text together, there is one key thing that I want you to make sure that you walk away with. And it is simply this. We are God's people built to proclaim His greatness. We are God's people built to proclaim His greatness. Now, as Peter was setting this out, he starts off with an interesting picture for us. And this is the first thing that we want to see in this text, is that Jesus himself is the cornerstone. Jesus himself is the cornerstone. If you and I are being built to proclaim God's goodness, built to proclaim God's greatness, we need a foundation. And the cornerstone of that foundation is Jesus Christ himself. Notice in verse 4, as you come to him, a living stone. Peter is going to start helping us understand a little bit more about who Jesus is. And he wants to make sure that we understand that Jesus is the basis of it all. I was on a plane flight not too long ago, and I was sitting next to the person uh, in, in the seat, and he was saying, you know what, I don't understand why Christians are all about Jesus. Friends, we can be about anything else but Jesus, right? And, and Peter is helping us see that this is exactly what we are to be. We come to him as you come to him a living stone. Now, this is an odd phrase. This is a very weird phrase. Why is Jesus called a living stone? I didn't think stones were things that were living. What Peter is trying to help us understand is that this stone, number one, is not dead. It's not as if Jesus died on the cross, was placed in a grave, and is no more. Jesus is the living Savior. He is the living Lord. He rose from the grave three days after being placed inside of it, and he reigns today. It is because Jesus is Lord today and for all of eternity. Jesus is a living stone. He is a living stone. So this is part of our understanding of how we are to connect with who Jesus is. He is a living stone. But notice what he says about this stone. This living stone is rejected by people. The living stone rejected by people. For most of the people in the first century who are reading these words, they would have had an interesting picture in their mind. It would have been like going to a building site. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, but as the craftsmen are working and they're building walls and they're, they're putting everything together for maybe your house or your business or whatever they're constructing, there is usually a growing discard pile of things that didn't quite work out. Maybe it was that piece of lumber that was a little bit too crooked. Maybe it was that facing stone that was chipped or broken. It wasn't what they expected. It wasn't what they ordered. So they just toss it aside. 
Peter says that this is how people view Jesus. Jesus wasn't what they expected. Jesus wasn't the one who came to make all their dreams come true. Jesus wasn't the one who fixed every single little bit of the problem in the way that they expected him to. And they toss Jesus aside. He is the stone that has been rejected. Now for those of us who've trusted Jesus as our Savior, this is hard to hear because this isn't the way that we think of Jesus. We think of Jesus as there is no way I can have life without Christ. He is the foundation of everything that I am and who I am and the basis for my entire life. Without Jesus, how do I face death? Without Jesus, how do I face that cancer diagnosis? Without Jesus, how do I face that radical job shift that I wasn't planning for? Without Jesus, how do I face life? And this is precisely the point that the world does not understand us. Because they rejected Jesus. The stone, this living stone, rejected by men. Completely pushed away. But notice chosen and honored by God. The very thing that the world pushes away is the centerpiece and the main focus of God's plan for salvation. If this isn't an upending of the way that we think life should be, I don't know what is. The very thing that the world sees as pointless, as worthless, as Foolishness is the very thing that God has chosen to redeem you and me. He is chosen and honored by God. Jesus, the living stone, the current and reigning king. Jesus. Now, if we come face to face with this Jesus... You and I could sit and tell stories about the way that he redefined our lives. About how you sat in that college dorm room and someone knocked on your door and shared with you about the hope that was found in Christ. And at that moment and in that place, the Holy Spirit gripped your heart and you came to faith in Jesus Christ. Or maybe like me as a, as a child at six years of age, hearing the preaching of the word and, and the Spirit just stirred in my heart and my life, and I trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Whenever your moment of salvation was, knowing Jesus changed everything. It changed everything. And this is exactly what we see here. Verse 5, you yourselves, this is directed to those of us in the room who have trusted Jesus as our Savior, you yourselves as living stones— well, wait a second. Jesus is the living stone. Why are we called living stones? Ah, it's because in the same way that Christian, those who are first called Christians, that phrase means little Christ, that our whole heart and life and everything about us reflects the glory of Jesus Christ is God's desire, God's design. In the same way that Jesus is the living stone. We ourselves are living stones. We reflect Jesus. Jesus is setting the tone for the picture. 
we are those who reflect Christ. But notice, living stones what? Being built to be a holy priesthood, a spiritual house. So not only does God make us like Jesus as living stones, but we are being built. God is using us to build God's house. Now some of you go, yes, that's why I give to the church because I'm building God's house wrong. No, no, no. We give because we're empowering ministry that goes forth from this place, not because of this building. When Peter is talking about this being built into God's house, he is talking about you as an individual, you as a person. You are being built into the church. Look around you. We are the church. We are the church. In fact, look at someone next to you and say, hey, you're the church. You're the church, right? This is who we are. We are the church. That's why we don't stop being the church when we walk out these doors. That's why it matters when you go to work on Monday that you're still the church. That's why it matters when you go play golf this week that you're still the church. That's why it matters when you coach those kids this week on the little league field that you're still the church. We never stop being the church because that's what God is building us into. We are being reflections of Jesus Christ. We are his people. And this is why, friends, church is not an option. If this is what God's plan is, if this is what God's desire is, it's not an option. It is not as if I can say, hey, I'm great with Jesus, but I want to go at this alone. It's not here. Those of us who follow Christ, we are placed into community, into the body of Christ. And in this text, the image of a building so that we are reflecting who Jesus is. That is what the church is all about. We're being built to a holy priesthood. The priests in the Old Testament were those who came and offered sacrifice. If you spent some time in the Old Testament, you know that there were prescriptions about what kind of animal and when and what atoned for which, which uh, types of sin and other kinds of things. But how do we reconcile that with the New Testament? Because Jesus is the sacrifice offered once for all. There's no longer a need for a sacrifice, right? There's no longer a need for this. Well, that's why Peter says, what are we supposed to do? We are to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. If Jesus is the once-for-all sacrifice atoning for our sins, now what becomes our role as spiritual sacrifices? Well, according to Hebrews 13, verse 15, we offer the sacrifice of praise. According to Romans 12, 1 and 2, we offer the spiritual sacrifice of surrendering our lives to Christ. According to Philippians 4, 18, we offer generous living because he is Lord. According to Revelation 8.3, we pray because Jesus is Lord, and we offer these spiritual sacrifices over and over again, but they're only acceptable because of Jesus. He sets the tone. He sets the pattern. And why Jesus? Again, you may be sitting here, and like the friend I, on the plane that I referenced earlier, you're going, I, I 
really, I would like to understand more about why Jesus all the time, why Jesus all the time. Friends, look at the text. The text always tells us. Christians always make it about Jesus because Jesus is the cornerstone. Look at verse 6. It stands in Scripture, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone. This rejected stone is the cornerstone. Now, this word cornerstone in the Greek can mean one of two things. It either was the pattern stone. In other words, they would work really hard to make sure that this one stone was a perfect 90 degree angle and that the sides were were absolutely set and perfect. And they'd set it in the ground first and the rest of the building would flow off of that one stone. Or... It could also refer to, in the ancient world, what was known as a capstone. A capstone was a stone that was right in the middle of the arch. And what they would do is they would take dirt and they would build up in the middle of this arch and they would take stones and they would start leaning them in on the dirt and they would set this capstone on it. That capstone distributed the load and weight of the wall so that as long as that capstone held, that arch was going to hold. In fact, they would test the architects and how good they were. They'd clean out the dirt and make him stand underneath it. How's that? Uh, really want to check your work good. That cornerstone is there, the whole thing falls apart. So whether you understand it as a capstone or the cornerstone, the principle is still the same. Jesus is the one who sets the tone and the pattern for everything that we do here in the church as individuals, as followers of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the cornerstone. He sets the pattern. He gets it right. He is the one. And Jesus is the one who saves. Look at this. The one who believes in him will never be put to shame. What is not being said here, friends, is that you're never going to face ridicule. What's not being said here is that you won't lose your job over your faith in Christ. What's not being said here is that the world won't look at you as weird. What is being said here is the more that we pattern our life after Jesus, the more that we pattern our life after Jesus, the more for all of eternity, we reflect his glory and therefore cannot ever experience shame. There is coming a day when you and I will stand before the very creator of the universe and he's going to ask you a very key question. Did you know my son? Did you know Jesus? And for those of us who can answer firmly, yes, I know Jesus. We spend eternity in the presence of God. But how much sweeter is it for those of us who are confident in our Savior, who have boldness in our Savior, that we walk and it's not only do I know Jesus, not only has he saved me, but these are some of the people that I've introduced Jesus to as well. And they've been following Jesus. And these are some of the people who I've also pointed to Jesus. And they also are following Right? This is what we are about. We are to be those without shame because we are following the one who sets the pattern by God's design. This is our identity. Catch this. The rejected one is the one. The rejected one is the one. There is no other way. There is no other pattern. There is no other place. It is Jesus and Jesus alone. The rejected one is the one. 
Verse 7, so honor will come to those of you who believe. But for the unbelieving, Jesus trips them off. Right? The stone that the builders rejected, he's become the cornerstone. But this cornerstone, verse 8, is a stone to stumble over and a rock to trip over. Jesus trips people up. I like to people watch. I'm sure you do too, just a little bit, right? When people are walking along and they trip over something, have you ever noticed what people do? It's like they trip over something. They don't, they don't keep going. They stop and they look back. What, what was that? What was it I just tripped over? Jesus, spiritually, is the stone of stumbling. He is the stone of stumbling. That's an odd thing for us to talk about our Savior, that he's the stone of stumbling. Friends, all of us, according to the Word of God, is appointed for every one of us to see God, is appointed to all of us to give an account to God. Friends, Jesus is the defining moment. Friends, if you are in the sound of my voice, whether online or in this room today, if you have never come face to face with salvation in Jesus Christ, Jesus will continue to trip you up and trip you up and trip you up because you cannot escape the truth of Jesus. You cannot escape the truth of Jesus. You're like, I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand. I, I, okay, that's fine. There are plenty of people in this room who do. And they'll be happy to share with you more about how Jesus went from tripping them up to defining their lives. Jesus is the stone of stumbling. But not only is he the stone of stumbling, this rock to trip over, notice what it says. They stumble because they disobey the word. And they were destined for this. It was in a cave one time. I like going on these cave tours. Every cave is kind of unique and different. And all, you see all these natural things that happen and stalactites and stalagmites and all these formations. And it's, it's absolutely incredible. We were walking through one uh, one time and this guide, as he was leading us, he goes, all right, hey, before we get to this next place, I need you to understand we're going to walk down this path. We'll be single file. And as we go down, there is one place that we couldn't move any of the rock and it is right there. And we call it the rock of many names. We call it the rock of many names because no matter how many times we tell people that it's coming, somebody's going to hit their head on that rock. <laughs> They're just going to do it. I'm just telling you right now, let's get going. And so he started walking through. Sure enough, the guy right in front of me, boom, just right there, tattooed his forehead. The rock of many names. You can't get past it. Friends, that's Jesus. If you want to go somewhere in life, if you want to keep walking in truth, if you want to experience truth in its fullness, you can't get past Jesus. Amen. Friend, if you don't know Jesus, quit hitting your head against the stone of offense. Come to Jesus this morning. Trust him as your Savior. He receives you. He takes you. He builds you into his own people this is us. Friends, salvation is here. Let's not beat our head against the rock of salvation. But Christians, I also want you to understand something here that's, that, that is a little bit different, sometimes hard to wrestle with. We don't have time to fully wrestle with this, where it talks about they were destined for this. They were destined to kind of beat their head against the wall. Rock, I, I want you to hear some comfort in this. There's a word of comfort before we jump to these other pictures. There's a word of comfort here for you and for me. It's not about you. And what do I mean about that? 
It's not about the words that you say. It's not about all the little things in your life. When we are telling people about Jesus, we need to get over ourselves and allow Jesus to be the stumbling block. Right? Their destiny has everything to do with Jesus. Our responsibility is that, a responsibility to tell others, and then we leave the results up to God. So that means two things. Number one, it means we need to be faithful to continue to verbally proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. It is not 12 ways for you to cut your lawn so your neighbor knows you're a Christian, right? That doesn't work very well. It is, however, when we speak the name of Jesus, God can do amazing things through you. But this is where many of us stop and go, I can't do that. We pull a Moses out of our back pocket and we say, I can't do that. I, I stutter. I stumble. I don't know the words to say. It is not about the specific words you say, friends. It is about how you can just point people to Jesus. It can be as simple as sitting in the break room and saying, you will not believe what happened to me this last week at church? We were talking about this and this, and I heard this thing about Jesus being the rock of stumbling and the stone of offense. And man, that just kind of got my mind running. And the person next to you is going to go, what are you talking about? Oh, you, let me tell you about Jesus a little bit. And you get a chance to share with them. It is about you simply being faithful. As author Michael Green talks about, it's about gossiping the gospel. Right? Just keep sliding it into every conversation. Right? And God will take that. God will take that and use that. It, we don't need to worry about that. But we also need to worry about one other thing on this. Let Jesus be the stone of offense, please. Don't let it be about your politics. Don't let it be about your personal opinion. Don't let it about, be about anything else. In fact, let's put ourselves in the back seat and let's put Jesus as the spotlight, as the center, as the focus, and let it be about Jesus. And the more we do that, friends, the more that we will see him work. I met a guy named Bill the other day. We were, he was talking about his business and everything, but he told me a few years back when he was 30 years old, as a businessman, he had made one decision that had changed his life forever, and it was simply this. He said, I got up every morning, and I prayed that Jesus would give me the opportunity to share about him with someone before I got home from work. He said, my wife said, I'll do you one better. I don't want you to come home until you share with at least one person. And he said, okay, challenge accepted. And for 25 years of his career, every single workday, he made at least one divine appointment to share with Jesus. It's that simple. And friends, some of us need to get off our blessed assurance and get going. It's time to be the church to share the hope of Jesus. Now notice how this works out in verse 9. We get these snapshots of who we are, right? We, we've seen that Jesus is the cornerstone. We've, we've seen that the rejected one is the one. But now let's talk about who we are in the final moments of our time together. He puts on some, some choice words here. First of all, we are a chosen race. 
You want to know why we as a Christians, as, as believers in Jesus Christ, don't talk about or, or care about what the color of someone's skin is? Is because when we trust Jesus, the way that the scripture paints us is exactly what the early church used to claim, that we are now a totally different people. So it doesn't matter where we came from, it matters where we're going. It doesn't matter what marked us before, we're marked by Jesus now, and that changes everything. That's why when we look around this room, we should be praising God. We have every tribe, tongue, and nation in this room, right? Because we want to see God move, and that defining thing doesn't define us anymore. We're defined by Jesus alone. We are a chosen race. We are His. But not only are we a chosen race, yes, that's right. We're not only a chosen race, we're a royal priesthood. We're a royal priesthood. If you knew the Jewish concept of this, they would look at people and go, you have to be born a certain way, you have to be in this specific family, you have to have all these other kinds of marks to make you a priest. Peter says, ah, Jesus is enough. Salvation in Christ, you're brought into the family, and as the family of Jesus, you are made a priest. We are to be those who serve. Oh, and not only are we a royal priesthood, we're a holy nation. We get a passport to another place. It's not about our citizenship here, although that matters, but it's not about that. It's about our citizenship in heaven because we are part of a bigger thing than America. We're part of a bigger thing than any global nation you want to paint. We're about a Savior who wants to radically transform your life. That's what we're about. First and foremost, we are those who are a holy nation. And notice that we are a people of his possession. We are his. Dear brother and sister in Jesus Christ, you are his. Do you know what that means? You may have come into this room today and you, you've, you felt beat up, frustrated over your week, over all these issues. The fact that he says right here, you are his possession. Jesus looks at you and says, you are of infinite worth to me. And I love you with an unfailing and unsurpassing love. So that dark spell that you're going through right now, I'll see you through. That rough patch that you're facing right now in your marriage or with your children, I'm going to hold your hand. I'm going to see you through. You are mine. Friends, there is nothing more comforting in the world than knowing that the very God who spoke, let there be light, and all of creation came into existence, looks at you and me, and he says, you're mine. But he says that about this church as well. You're a people of his possession. We're his. We're his. That matters. He loves. He cares. Why does he do this? He has called us out of the darkness and into his marvelous light. Once we were those who were not a people, but now we're God's people. Once we were those who had no mercy, and now we're those who've experienced the very mercy of God. This great contrast, darkness to light, no identity to identity, no mercy to mercy. The great contrast because of the gospel. Beloved brother and sister in Jesus Christ, this is who we are. 
it's time for us to start living it and living it with passion and letting it shape the very essence of our heart and our life. Letting it change the way that we go to work on Monday. Letting it change the way that we parent and love our children. Letting it change every aspect of our life. Dear friend, who's watching online or here in this room, I've already said this before, if you don't know Jesus, today could be the defining moment of your life where you who once were isolated, alone, walking in darkness, separated from God himself, can know life in Jesus Christ. He can transform you and bring you into a new race, a holy priesthood, and become a part of his possession, a people belonging to God. That changes this morning and it starts as we pray and we submit and surrender our heart and our life to him. Actually, I think that's the right response for all of us. So as the band comes forward, let's every head bow and every eye close in this room. This morning, if that's you, and you'd be gut level honest enough to say, I do not know Jesus as my Savior. But I've heard what you talked about this morning. I want that Jesus. I want that Jesus. If you're in the sound of my voice this morning and that's you, would you raise your hand where you are? Would you have the boldness to say that? To raise your hand where you are? Say, I need Jesus this morning. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. I'm going to pray over us. And as I pray, you can join me with, it, with me in a very simple prayer, asking Jesus to be the Lord and Savior of your life. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. and We thank you that Jesus saves. God, this morning, there are men and women, boys and girls in this room, who needs you. God, I ask that you would save them powerfully as you can and only you can. So if that was you this morning who raised your hand, listen and pray along with me, dear Jesus. Thank you for being my savior. I accept you as my savior and I surrender my heart and life to you. Jesus, take me and save me. I want to be your child. Friends, if you prayed that this morning, I'm gonna ask that as the band begins to sing that you would take another step of boldness and that you would come forward and that you would meet with one of our pastors or counseling staff so we can make sure that you understand what it is to follow Jesus. If that's a little too hard from where you're seated, as you exit today right in the lobby, there is a place where we will be happy to talk with you about how you can follow Jesus. The follower of Jesus Christ, 
this goes straight to us, right? Is Jesus really the foundation and anchor and corner of your life? Have you made it in your life where your identity is marked more, more by your politics, by your hobbies, by your work? Or is Jesus the cornerstone? Maybe the best action for you this morning is to get right with God again. That in this place, in this moment, you re-surrender your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. Say, Lord Jesus, be my all. Be my everything. Be Lord in this place. we also be happy to receive you this morning to pray with you. Let's stand together. Let's sing as we continue to respond to the greatness of our God, to the goodness of our God, to our God who saves. Let's respond to church and be the church and be the men and women that God has called us to be.